Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor podcast features Sunday sermon. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. Amen. Y'all doing all right? Amen. Thanks for coming and hanging out with us today. Y'all glad to be here? Yeah, awesome. We're super grateful that you're here. Um, Hey, listen, this morning we are going to uh, continue our current series that's entitled Foundation, uh, Building Blocks of the Faith. So if you're taking notes, uh, this is part three. And I just want to remind all of you, if you've missed uh, any part of this series or any sermon in the past, uh, you can always go check them out on our podcast. You can do that through our website or go directly to iTunes. Anyways, let me say this before before we get moving today. Um, just kind of give you some context of why we're doing what we're doing today. Uh, a few weeks back, I was in prayer, and, and I heard the Lord. Uh, basically, he began to talk to me about all the, the newer people that we've been having coming to the church and how uh, many of them are new to Christianity, new to the faith. And, and I just felt an impression from him that I needed to uh, go back to the basics and kind of begin to teach at square one. And so that's what we've been doing for the past few weeks. And, and if I can kind of give you maybe... Uh, from the Lord's perspective, kind of why we would do it that way is, is I think so often in the church, somebody gives their life to Jesus and we kind of expect them to be at, yeah, I don't know, like uh, level 38 in a week. And it doesn't really work that way. And so it's, it's no different that if somebody in here said, hey, uh, you know, one day I want, to build, I want to build houses. I want to be a master carpenter, and, and I want to do that for a living. And you said, you know what? Well, also, man, well, here's some, here's some blueprints that we have. Uh, man, we expect you to build this house like Pronto, and they don't even own a hammer. have never even swung a hammer before. Right, it's no different than if somebody says, "Hey, I want to be a master mechanic," and we think, "Oh, hey, well, here's my Ferrari. Uh, let, let me just give it to you if you can, just kind of fix the thing." Right, and they've never even changed oil before. Right, so I think sometimes our expectations for people when they come into the faith is maybe uh, a, a little too expedient. We want them to get there quicker than they need to be. And my my point really is this: What's the next step? <laughs> That's how God moves, right? And so we, we, we never really run before we learn how to walk. And so this is a series really about learning how to walk. Amen? So, so on the same side, let me say this, because I don't think God ever uh, brings us in a point in the service where he goes, well, the people who've been walking with me for a while, uh, they miss out too. And so I, I think from God's perspective is a lot of times because we, we get saved, and even though we've been in church 20 years, uh, it doesn't mean we, we always have the best foundation, and the reality is, is over the years, man, I've seen loads of people crash and burn. I've seen, uh, you know, loads of people get stuck in neutral and been in the same place for 20 years. And I've even seen people who just kind of keep doing dumb stuff when they should know better. But y'all never met that person. If you don't know that person, you may be that person, okay? So, uh, so anyway, so sometimes what that is, is that's basically an indicator that there's some cracks in their foundation, Right? And so what we want to do is we want to help those people who are beginning, and we maybe want to sure up some spots with us that have been walking with Jesus for a while. And so just kind of go ahead and give you a heads up today. It's going to be super methodical. It's going to be super basic. But once again, we're trying to go all the way back to people who are just beginning their journey, going, here's why we do what we do. If you're with me, say, oh, yeah. 
All right, good deal. So listen, we've started the past two weeks by uh, looking at the, the six foundational teachings, which are known as uh, the doctrines of Christ, that I believe that every Christian should not only be familiar with, but you should also be able to communicate why you believe what you believe to someone else. And so uh, I want to begin by looking at that portion of Scripture again. It comes out of Hebrews chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 1, and it simply says this. You can read it with me. It says, Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ. Let us go on to perfection. Let us move on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of, and watch this, now he's about to list them, number one, of repentance from dead works, number two, faith towards God, number three, the doctrine of baptisms, number four, laying on of hands, number five, a resurrection of the dead, and number six, of eternal judgment. All right, since we have already unpacked the first two that are on that list. This morning, we're going to turn our attention to the third foundational teaching that's listed there, which is the doctrine or the teachings of baptisms. Now, uh, to kind of get the ball rolling, the first thing I want to point out to you is this, is notice that the writer of Hebrews said the doctrine of baptisms. Notice it is plural, it's not singular. Which obviously means that under the new covenant, by new covenant I mean once Jesus died, the covenant, you know, his resurrection made for us, right? That under the new covenant, that means that there's more than one baptism available to us as believers. Now, if you and I realize or not, when we read the New Testament, we discover that there's actually three different baptisms mentioned within the new covenant. And the first one is simply known as this. It's known as the believer's baptism. The believer's baptism. Now, the Bible tells you and I that the moment that we repented of our sins, the moment that we believed in our hearts, in other words, the moment we received salvation without us even knowing it, the Holy Spirit baptized us into the body of Christ. See, that's why the Apostle Paul wrote this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He says, some of us are Jews, some of us are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free, but we have all been baptized in or into one body. Now, what body is he referring to? Once again, he's talking about the body of Christ or the family of God. Okay, now how were we baptized? It says by one spirit. What spirit is he talking about? He's talking about the Holy Spirit. Okay, so to reiterate once again, the moment that you and I said yes to Jesus, the Holy Spirit went to work and he baptized us into the body of Christ at the moment of our salvation experience. All right, the second baptism we find in the new covenant is water baptism. Water baptism. So after you and I say yes to Jesus, we surrender our lives to him, we are actually commanded by Jesus himself to be water baptized by another believer or another disciple. That's why Jesus said this in the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them. Who's them? It's anyone who gives their life to Jesus, anyone who gets saved, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. All right, now that brings us to the third baptism that you and I find in the New Covenant, and that is this. It's the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Baptism in the Holy Spirit. This is what uh, John the Baptist was referring to in Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. He said this. He said, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he, Jesus, who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He, Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. 
So listen, those three baptisms we see, uh, once again, uh, after Jesus resurrected are the believer's baptism, happens at salvation, water baptism, right? And the last one is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, before we uh, scoot down the road too far, what I want to do is I want to pause for a minute. And I actually want to point out something that's very significant when it comes to this subject. Like you and I need to understand for uh, any baptism to occur, it must have three essential elements. Three essential elements. This is kind of theological, so just hang with me here. The, the first one is this, is there has to be a baptizer. There has to be a baptizer. Second, there has to be a person who is being baptized. That's kind of a given. And the third one is there has to be, and this is huge, there has to be a substance into which the person is being baptized. So, listen, with those three elements in mind, what I want to do is I want to expound on this for a moment. So, uh, let's just do this. Chris, Pat, come here, please. Abby, if you can come here, it'd be great. Uh, Y'all just line up right here. Just kind of give me one, two, three. It'd be awesome. You're going to do great. You're you're going to get like an award in heaven for this today. It's amazing. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Pat, you scoot over a little bit. You're a little too close to your wife. Um, Playing. I'm just kidding. All right. Anyway, so, so watch this. Let, let's let's kind of walk through this really quick. So if you notice what's on the screen, once again, we're talking about the baptizer, uh, basically the person who's being baptized and the substance. So let's say Pat represents the, the first one on the list, the believer's baptism. So who is the baptizer at this moment for Pat? It's the Holy Spirit. Okay, he's the new convert, and, and what substance is he being baptized into? He's being baptized in the substance of the body of Christ. Now move on. Let's say that, that she's given her life to Jesus, right? She's at water baptism. Who's the baptizer? It's another believer. If you're saved, you can baptize people, according to the Bible, okay? So, so once again, she's the person. What's the substance that Abby's being baptized into? It's water, okay? Move along to Chris, right? The last one, baptism of the Holy Spirit. According to what we just read in the book of Matthew, who is the baptizer? It's Jesus, okay? So once again, it's the believer. Now what's the substance that he is being baptized into? It's the Holy Spirit and fire. All four of the Gospels record that, okay? So, so here, here's where I believe a lot of confusion comes into the church. It's this, is that many people think that the believer's baptism and the baptism of the Holy Spirit are the exact same thing. Now, when you and I read the Bible, we have to pay attention to the grammar that it uses and the people that it talks about, right? we got to pay attention, right, and not just assume things. And so, so if I can, just kind of with that idea there, uh, let me just ask you a question. If the Holy Spirit is the baptizer, right, and the believer's baptism, and Jesus is the baptizer, right, in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, then how can it be the same thing? Right? And, and, and let, me, let me maybe suggest something else to you. Notice once again that, that the, the baptizer is not only different, but so is the substance in which they're being baptized into. Once again, baptized into the body of Christ, into the Holy Spirit. So it has to be two different distinct things. So we can't confuse them and think that they're one. Now, let me make another bold statement to you, okay? I don't know about at least for you. I just think this, in the same way that we knew when we were baptized in the body of Christ and we got saved, in the same way we knew the moment we were baptized in water, like you shouldn't realize what's happening, right? Um, We should know the moment we're baptized in the Holy Spirit as well. 
So once again, there, there's three distinct things that, that, yes, I know the moment I got saved. Yes, I know the moment I got baptized in water. And I definitely know the moment that I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. There are three distinct things that God wants for every one of us. Amen? All right. Y'all can go grab a seat. Thank y'all. So what I want to do today is I want to focus on the middle one. I want to talk about water baptism we're going to get in a few weeks. We've got a few other things we have to handle first, but we're going to talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit in a few weeks. So please don't miss that, okay? So what I want to do real quick is, is simply this. I want to unpack, like I said, the water baptism, but I want to say a statement before we dive into this. Uh, I realize in the church, this church, uh, we're, we're like a melting pot. You've heard me say that before, which means that uh, a lot of us come from different church backgrounds, different church traditions, which means when it comes to this topic of water baptism, that many of us in this room have experienced different methods of that. In other words, I understand that there's people in the room today that you were sprinkled. There's some people in here today that you were uh, basically have water poured over you, like poured over your head. And then there's other people that you uh, have experienced uh, full immersion, okay? So, so like I said, I want to be extremely respectful to all that today. But what I want to do is, is I want to teach you kind of like why we believe and why we practice what we practice at the Anchor Church. Okay, and so if, if you can, while I'm going through this, whatever your experience is, just please give me grace. Amen. Amen. All right. So listen, I, I don't I don't know, you know, your personal experience with this, but but I as, as a Christian, I haven't always understood the spiritual significance of baptism. And, and so how I want to begin this, I want to tell you a story about the night that my whole view of water baptism completely changed. And so it, it happened basically this. I was, I was 20 or 21 years old, and uh, I'd only been a Christian for about three years up at this point. Uh, so at, at that point in my walk with God, I had never heard anybody uh, give a thorough teaching of water baptism. I had never studied water baptism before, so I was pretty ignorant when it came to this. Now, had I been water baptized at that point? Yes, but I only did it because somebody said, hey, you need to do this, right? And it, it was more like, uh, you know, some initiation into a club. Okay, if you want to be with us, you got to do this. Okay, let's go, right? So, but all that changed one night when I was in the Sunday service while I was living in Lafayette, Louisiana, and I can still remember the night uh, extremely, man. It's just so vivid in my mind. The senior pastor was on this side, and he walked across the platform, and he grabbed a mic, and he began to talk to the congregation, began to tell us that that night uh, we were going to have a, a very special baptism, okay? And so while he was talking in the back of the baptism, in the back of the stage, uh, a man walked down that we all knew, and, and a young lady followed him that I had never met before in my life. And so, uh, you know, in my head, I'm thinking, okay, cool. I know that guy. His name's Eric. He's a Calpha director of the local, you know, university. Uh, but once again, I still had no clue about her. And I didn't know what was so special about her that was going to make this moment amazing, right? So, so the pastor kind of wrapped up what he was saying. And, and at that moment, everybody kind of put their attention on, uh, on Eric. And he began to talk about how uh, the young lady beside him was a student at the university. She had recently come to one of their Chi Alpha meetings, and she had given her life to Jesus. And once again, in my head, I was thinking, okay, that happens all the time. So once again, what's so special about her? But then Eric began to talk about how she was from this certain country in the Middle East and how only a few days before that she had decided to convert from Islam to Christianity. Now they have my attention, right? And I was like, okay, I'm seeing the difference. And so after she made this decision, Eric said that she contacted her father, uh, who was clearly a devout Muslim. And, and when she informed him, look, I've given my life to Jesus, it clearly upset the man greatly. 
right? Because she was not only just say, converting, but she was renouncing the religion of her family. And, and so as you can expect, when her father heard that news, man, he not only hit the roof, but he, he demanded that she come home immediately, like, you're done with school, you're coming home, right? And, and so in obedience to her father, what she said was is that the next day she was going to board an airplane and she was going to go back home. Now, here's the part that completely changed my view of baptism. But because Eric began to talk about how in detail, that how this young lady um, knew that her family, that her religion would not consider her conversion to Christianity real, genuine, keyword final, right? Complete until she had been water baptized. In other words, she could pray for hours. She could read the Bible for hours. Okay, that's good. But the moment she got baptized, it changed everything. And so, from that perspective, she kind of stood there that night. She was trying to make it known to everybody, especially her family, that she had truly given her life to Jesus. And this act of baptism was her way of sealing her salvation, sealing her conversion to her uh, former religion and to her family's lives, right? In their eyes that they see, I'm saved. And so what was so crazy is they continued to talk. They said that, you know, she's doing this tonight with, with the full understanding that two things may happen when she gets home. In other words, she's going to hop off the airplane. She might hop off there. And, and nobody from her family's there. They're going to disown her. She has no home, no food, no money. She's, she doesn't exist anymore to them. And the second thing, they said, well, she could show up, and out of the right of Islamic law, her father could actually kill her on the spot. And so, like, I can still remember listening to this young lady talk, and, man, I, like, the, the, the heaviness, the, there was a soberness in the atmosphere, but at the same time, there was like inspiration, if you know what I mean, right? And so this, this young lady sat there with an assurance on her face, with boldness in her voice. There was a joy and there was a peace on her. And, and it was so cool because she just declared, look, I know I found the one true God. I'm not turning back. I'm not going to deny him. If they kill me, they kill me. If they disown me, they disown me. But I've met Jesus. It was pretty powerful. So listen, to my knowledge, uh, after that night, uh, at least no one in my group ever heard from her again. I have no clue what happened to her, okay? But I think for the whole group that was there that night, you know, a few hundred people, uh, you, you know, it was like a reminder of how the darkness in this world still hates the light. But, but for me personally, man, I walked away from the church that night fully aware that I, unlike that young lady, had no clue of the significance or the importance or the power in water baptism. So from that evening, something happened in here, and I said, well, I better go dig into here. And I better find out what God says about it. So uh, I've done that for years. And uh, what I want to do is I want to share with you a few things. Once again, super elementary, okay? But share a few things with you of why we should be water baptized, all right? So I want to do this by answering a couple of common questions that we normally get. Question number one is what does the word baptism mean? What does the word baptism mean? It actually comes from uh, the Greek word. You can read that Greek word. I'm from Alabama. We don't do that. Uh, but, but it means this. It means to call someone to be completely dipped or immersed into a fluid and then taken out again. To call someone to be completely dipped or immersed into a fluid and then taken out again. I want to stress the last part of that definition is extremely important if you want to baptize people. All right. Watch this. Because of that definition, we as a church, we actually believe in full 
submersion baptism rather than some of the methods that I know some of us have experienced. And in fact, to kind of further solidify why we do what we do, uh, when you look at the New Testament, like every time you see someone baptized again and again and again, it's that Greek word that's used. And so it literally means in all those baptisms that there's a full submersion. A few examples, we see it in the life of Jesus, says when he went down, when he came up out of the water, right? We see it with Simon, we see it with the Ethiopian eunuch, we see it with Saul who turned Paul, we see it with Cornelius and his household, Lydia, in her household, uh, the Philippian jailer in his household, the men of Ephesus, like again and again and again, and every one of those uh, experiences, encounters, whatever you say, events, whatever you want to use, uh, once again, those baptisms were full immersion or submersion baptisms. All right, now let's talk about something super, super, super important. What are actually the conditions or the requirements a person must fulfill before they are water baptized? And, and even though this is simple, gang, I need you to hear me. I can't overstate the importance of what we're about to say, okay? It's because the Bible actually gives you and I three conditions that we must fulfill before we can be water baptized. And the first one is this. We've been talking about these over the past few weeks. Number one is a person must repent of their sins. A person must repent of their sins. This is why Peter said this in Acts 2. He said, now when they heard this, uh, talking about Peter's preaching the gospel, says they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, uh, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission or for the forgiveness of your sins. Remember, that's the, that's the first doctrine of Christ that Hebrews 6 mentions. It's repentance from dead works. Now, what's the second uh, requirement or condition a person must meet? They must believe. Number two, they must believe. That's why Jesus said in Mark 16, go into all the world, preach the gospel to all creation. It says, whoever believes, believes what? In the gospel, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, and is baptized will be saved. But whoever does not believe will be condemned. What was our second doctrine of Christ that we taught? It was what? Faith or belief toward God. So we see first two. So you see the order that they're moving in, right? Yes? All right. So, uh, you know, a great example of this and basically comes out of uh, Acts chapter 8. I'll read it quickly, uh, but just kind of show you kind of how the belief piece happens here. It says, so Philip started out, it says, and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of Ethiopia. It says, the eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship. It says, and he was now returning. In other words, he was going back home to Ethiopia. It says, seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk along beside the carriage. And it says, Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked, do you understand what you're reading? And the man replied, how can I unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. Since the passage of scripture he had been reading was this. He was like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb is silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants, for his life was taken from the earth? Then the eunuch asked Philip, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? Great question. It says, so beginning with the same scripture, Philip told him the good news or the gospel about Jesus. Then it says, as they rode along, they came to some water. This means that clearly water baptism was presented in the gospel message to him. 
It says, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? Then Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And so Philip ordered the carriage to stop and they went down into the water and Philip baptized or submerged him. All right, so once again, once a person repents, when a person believes, notice what really happened with that guy at that moment is he made the third thing. He said, look, I'm willing to commit. Come on, remember what Jesus said in Matthew 28. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptize them in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching these new disciples, these new people that have made a commitment to me to obey all the commands I have given you. And so, once again, a person only becomes a true disciple once they have made a commitment to follow Jesus. Like, that's ground level, right? Yes? Which is what? It's demonstrated through this key word, guys, obedience. In other words, a person can live how they want to live, but if they don't live according to the word of God, they're not a disciple. So it requires commitment, right? And so, once again, kind of the point I'm trying to get at is we can see through those verses, biblically speaking, only once a person has fulfilled those three conditions, three requirements, whatever word you want to use, by repenting of their sins, believing with all their heart, right, making commitment, it's at that point that they truly become eligible to be water baptized. Okay, now that leads us to a really important question. When can a person be baptized? When can a person be baptized? The answer is immediately. Like we just read in Acts 8 when the eunuch said, hey, there's some water. Philip said, no, 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 not, not yet. You've got to wait for three years. Like, he didn't say that. He, basically, as soon as Philip knew, he met the conditions. He said, okay, the guy can be baptized. And I want you to know the same goes for us. We don't have to wait some length of time. We don't have to wait till we get it all together. Man, immediately, as soon as we repent, believe, and get our hearts right, right, and say, I'm going to follow Jesus, you're eligible. Amen? All right, so let, let me say a, a bold statement to you guys, because I've seen this a lot in the church. I've met a lot of people who uh, you talk to them, and it's very evident that they don't really know God. They're not really saved, but they'll say, well, I was baptized as a kid. Are y'all with me? So, so listen, I, I want to make it really, really clear that even though baptism is a vital and an integral part of a believer's life, man, it, we need to understand that the act of baptism itself does not save anyone, right? And so, so at the end of the day, if you got baptized before you got right with Jesus, uh, I'm just going to tell you it didn't count, Okay? In other words, at that point, if you didn't know him, uh, what happened was is you went down in that water a sinner, and you came up as a wet sinner. <laughs> right? Or, or as you guys would say, sinner. Right? There we go. Okay? Still working on it. Here we go. So, so listen, the Bible's clear that salvation has to happen in our hearts. That's why Romans 10, 9 says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, it's at that point you'll be saved. All right, let's settle here for a second. So it's, it's because of those passages, right, and others like it, that we as a church do not practice infant baptism, okay? And, and it's really for the sole purpose of this, is that a, a baby or even a small child doesn't have the ability to repent, believe, or to commit their life to Jesus. Like as parents, we can want it so much for them, but they have to know what's going on. Right, And so in addition to that, notice a while ago I gave you, I don't know, about 10 examples of people being baptized. Did you notice not one of them was a child? Like, like we don't ever see parents baptizing their children. And I'm talking about babies, okay? 
uh, if, if a kid understands what's going on, hey, go for it, right? But, so, but I'm talking about really babies, okay? So the scripture, once again, only talks about really adults or people who understood that could make those three things. That's who got baptized. So, however, what we do find in the Bible is, is parents such as Hannah, when it came to like Samuel, dedicating their children to the Lord. There's a huge difference. Okay, that's why we as the church practice baby dedications or something about parents saying, you know what, God, you gave this child to me. It's a gift and we are dedicating this child to you. Once again, that doesn't save the child, but we're simply saying that moment we dedicate their lives to you. We honor that, a, that they are a gift from you and help us do our best to raise them. That's what's really happening there. Right. And so so once again, knowing the, the different backgrounds that are represented in the room, I, you know, I, I, you know, hear my heart here. But, but if you yourself were baptized as an infant or if you baptized your children when they were infants, once again, not slamming it, but, but please, you know, let me say this. I recognize that was an act of love. That's really what I'm trying to say, right? In other words, in your heart, you wanted to honor God. Your parents wanted to honor God. But from a biblical perspective, that, that's not salvation, okay? All right, so the fourth question I want to answer is this, and this is really where some of the meat begins to get into this a little bit. But... So, so fourth question, what is the spiritual significance of water baptism? What's the spiritual significance of water baptism? Because God never asks us just to do something to do something. There's always a purpose in it, right? So, so the, to answer that question, it's really wrapped up in two different words. The first word is identification. The second is proclamation. Identification and proclamation. Once again, like we saw with that young lady that I talked about earlier, you know, when she chose to be baptized, before she went home, what she was really saying is she was trying to make it crystal clear that I no longer identify with Allah. From now on, I'm going to identify with Jesus. Like, that's what she was proclaiming and making known that night, right? And the only way I know how to really describe this is like when you and I hear the name Michael Jordan, we automatically identify him with what? Bat- basketball. <laughs> Man, it's not that bad. All right, here we go. Listen, when we hear the name Tom Brady, what do we identify him with? Football, right? So listen, when we, when we hear the name, and this is for other people in this room, for like folks like Leonardo da Vinci, we, we identify him with art. When, when you and I sing the national anthem, we are identifying ourselves as Americans, right? Like I've never, you know, personally have stood up, you, you know, whatever, in my living room when Kenya you know, when they won whatever marathon race that they always win and, and try to sing the, the Kenyan national anthem. Why? Because I'm not Kenyan, right? Anyways, but, but I've never seen the Canadian anthem, you know, Canada, Canada. I've never, you know, I'm an American, right? I'm making sense. That's who I identify as. So anyways, so in similar fashion, uh, when we are baptized in water, we are proclaiming that we no longer identify with the kingdom of darkness. But from that point on, we're going to identify with the kingdom of God. Amen? So, so we're making it known that we belong to Jesus. So, so let's sink in a little bit deeper here. When you and I, through baptism, when we go under the water, we're proclaiming that we believe in the death and the burial of Jesus. That's what's happening. Okay? And when we come up out of the water, we're proclaiming that we believe in the resurrection of Jesus. That we, we are proclaiming that we believe in that work, that that's how our sins are forgiven. Through what Jesus did, right? So in addition to that, when we go down in the water, we are saying we identify ourselves with the death and burial of Jesus. Okay? And we come up, we're identifying our lives with the resurrection of our Savior. I'm making sense. In other words, we are marking ourselves to the world that we're followers of Christ. Now, let me read a, a verse to you 
that I'm going to encourage you to go home and read about 300 times because that's about how many times it will take to start getting it. It's okay. (laughs) Romans chapter 6. Here we go. Holy Ghost, help us understand. It says, well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? It says, or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? We came in union with his death, right? It says, for we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Get that? Now we may also live new lives. Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. It says, we know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves of sin, for when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. So, so watch this. In those seven verses, I believe they speak directly to the power that's available to us through baptism. And what I mean by that is that I believe that there's a supernatural thing that happens when we're water baptized. That I have seen people who are struggling with certain things get baptized and something breaks off of them. When they come out, they become new people. Am I making sense? In other words, there's power that's there available because, once again, God asks us to do it for a reason. So let me me kind of elaborate on this a little bit. We understand that after every death in the natural, right, there's always, it's always followed by a burial, right? But listen, every death in the natural is always followed by a burial. And at that point, we don't just sprinkle a little dirt over the dead body. We don't pour a little dirt over the dead body. No, no, on the contrary, what we do is we submerge that dead body in the ground. We put dirt over it, and that body stays there. That makes sense. So, so watch this. Likewise, the same thing can be said about the supernatural, that every spiritual death, talk about when you're born again, an old man dies, at, at, at a spiritual death, there's always got to be a burial. And that's why if you read church history, you find that, uh, you know, the old saints, they always refer to the water, if it's river, if it's lake, if it's pond, baptism pool, they always refer to it as the watery grave. Like, I love that, the watery grave. And so what's happening is, is once again, throughout church history, when a person was born again, they would view their baptism as a funeral service service. If you're with me, so yeah. So now what were they bearing? They, they were actually bearing their old man. They were bearing who they were before they met Jesus, right? So, so the same goes for us when we are baptized. Once again, when we go under the water, we're proclaiming to God by faith, guess what, that I am bearing that old guy. I'm bearing that old gal in their ways. Like the things I used to do, I don't do anymore. And when we come out the water, it represents a resurrection for us in Jesus, right? Those who have been identified with him are made alive, right? The newness of life. So when we come out, we're declaring that we're going to walk in the newness of life that is only lived through the power of the Holy Spirit. Right? See, that's why so often uh, we've heard the term that baptism is an outward proclamation of an inward change. That's what we're doing. We're declaring that change. Amen? All right, so, so let's close with this. One final question. Why should you and I be baptized? If we haven't been baptized, why should we be baptized? The answer is really simple. It's because it is the completion of the gospel message. In other words, if you've repented and you believe it, you haven't been baptized, the, the gospel message is not complete in your life. Okay? Hear me, though. It's not in the sense that a person has to be baptized in water to be saved, but they have to be baptized in water if they want to be obedient. 
Okay, and, and so think about it. Did Jesus not command us that every person that comes to him should be baptized? Yes, he did. It wasn't a suggestion. He commanded it. Okay, now, now did Jesus himself not give us an example by himself being baptized? Yes, he did. John said, hey, we don't need to do this. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. We need, it's Matthew 3. He said, no, we need to do this because it's the fulfillment of all righteousness. It is fulfilling the requirement that the Father would have. And so for us, we are fulfilling the requirement through repentance, through believing, and through baptism. Am I making sense? Now, now this is key. You can look at what Jesus taught. You can look at what Peter taught. It's very clear that water baptism should be the first act of obedience in a believer's life. Like all those examples we read, once again, they didn't wait six months, three years, 20 years, 40 years. They immediately got baptized because they realized that it was part of the gospel. And it was an immediate response of obedience to what the Father wanted. If you're with me, say, oh yeah. All right, so let me, let me end with a quote, and it may be uh, difficult for some people to hear, but I, but I believe it's true. This comes from Rick Renner. He said this. He said, the believers who typically take this commandment serious set themselves in a pattern of obedience. Is there anybody in here other than me that wants to live in a pattern of obedience? Yeah, like, amen. Yes, Jesus helped me, right? And then he said this. When some people blow this off, as it being something they don't need to do, they often set themselves up for a pattern of struggling in other areas that require obedience. Now, this is what's weird, y'all. And I can't explain this, okay? And I'm not going to try to. It's above my pay grade. But there's people that have definitely given their life to Jesus and they've just wrestled with unnecessary stuff of the flesh that have gotten baptized and then that thing broke off of them. I don't understand that. I've just seen it. Am I making sense? Now watch how he says here at the end. He says, because while it may not be essential for salvation, it is still, according to Jesus, a fundamental step to build a strong spiritual foundation for our lives. Do we want a strong spiritual foundation? Then these are the steps that we take. Amen? All right, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray, and we're going to end. But I just want to say this. If you have never been water baptized. Once again, I don't really know who has and who hasn't in the room, okay? We, we are going to do a baptism in about a month, okay? And so you, you can, we, we're going to basically say, look, you can sign up today. There's a piece of paper in the, in the, on the table out there in the lobby. You can go online. You can sign up. And, and I want to stress it in two ways. If you've never been water baptized, period, or this may be a little bit of a challenge, if you have never been water baptized according to what the Bible says, then it's okay to get rebaptized. Okay, so so like I, I remember years ago, um, trying to look for for Candace, Candace right there. I remember years ago, um, I preached this message, and here she is. She grew up, you know, her dad's a pastor, grew up in the church, been saved, you know, most of her life, loving Jesus most of her life. And I taught that, and you were held twenty years old, and said, I, I think I need to get rebaptized. So there's nothing wrong with that. Okay, because it's got to come something from your heart because what she realized is, man, I just did that with a kid. And I, when I was a kid, and I really didn't know what I was doing. But now I realize and I want to make this proclamation, Jesus, really for God, uh, Lord, I get this. And so I'm going to do it. Amen. Amen. Can you stand to your feet, please? Father, I thank you for every person that's here today. Lord, I thank you, as I've prayed many times, for your plan and your purpose for their lives. 
God, I thank you that you're so patient, so gracious. Uh, Lord, that you're truly willing to take us by the hand and walk us step by step by step. And so, Father, we're just simply asking that you would do that again today, that you would do that again tomorrow and the next day. God, we are people that have simply said, Lord, we believe in you. Our hearts are yours. Our lives are yours. God, whatever you want to do in us and through us, do it. And so, Lord, I ask, God, that you would simply, if we haven't been water baptized, help us to take the obedient step so we can take the next obedient step and the next obedient step in our lives. And so, Lord, today I just bless your people. Thank you for your presence, God, being on their lives. Thank you for healing whatever that needs to be healed. Thank you for restoring whatever needs to be restored and making whole whatever needs to be made whole. Thank you for maturity, God, coming in us, God, that you're growing us from faith to faith to glory to glory. We thank you for this. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.